and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about planting and crop progress from around the United States and hopefully Canada as well. If you would like to call into the show, we'd love to hear how things are going on your farm. How are you progressing with this spring's crop seedings? Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you could just send us an email if you would like, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. been getting lots of questions in. But before we do, I'll just tell you on our farm, we are just kind of wrapping things up now. Finished planting soybeans last week. Uh, what we've been doing the last couple of years, we have a dairy that's right next to us that we produce some silage for. And we like planting our grain corn first. And the reason why is our first plant date for corn is April 10th. And what we have found is planting corn early really pays for us. When we delay our corn planting, we lose a lot of yield. But I can say the same thing about soybeans. It's just our first planting date for crop insurance for soybeans is April 26th. So this year we started on the 26th, finished planting soybeans on about the 30th of April. And uh, we're just kind of wrapping up some silage acres that we have to do yet should finish, uh, I, I would say, by tomorrow. We're doing some little test work and stuff like that. But anyway, we farm about 3,200 crop acres in southeast South Dakota, uh, mainly corn and soybeans. Uh, we also, by the way, have our Ag PhD field day site that, uh, that our farm does some work with and then our Ag PhD research guys. Uh, by the way, our Ag PhD field day, it will go on this summer. Uh, we ha- Took, took last summer off, as about every farm show did last year. But anyway, it's a one-day event. It's the last Thursday in July every year. So this year, that would be Thursday, uh, July 29th. We would love to see you there. It's a free event we do every year just to say thanks to you for watching Ag PhD TV, listening to Ag PhD Radio. We really appreciate it. So uh, we host this event, and we basically everything is free. Parking, food. Uh, entertainment. We have uh, we have an air show. We have great guest speakers that we brought in from around the United States and really around the world. Uh, a lot of great farmers come in to talk to you about some of the things they're doing in terms of uh, raising better yields and making more money on their farm. So anyway, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and we love to have you at our Ag PhD Field Day. All right. Uh, So again, we will talk about planting and crop progress from around the United States and Canada. If you'd like to call in, again, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, I think Doug is trying to wind up the weed of the week here. He said, I saw this article about weed robots things that could kill weed by weed as they go through the field with uh, a jolt of electricity or with fire or different things. Been talk about these for a lot of years. I don't think they're ready for the real world, but what is your take? Do you think that is the future? Well, here's the problem with that. To go spray a herbicide costs very little money. We can get a lot of great herbicides for $3, $5, maybe $10 an acre, and we can leave residual out there. So I can just tell you from firsthand experience, when Darren and I used to pull weeds, we used to uh, take hoes out there and hoe the weeds. Literally, you go do that, field is clean, you come back three days later and there are weeds again. 
And you go, I got it. Now I got to come back again. So it gets a little frustrating when you're doing that. So is this possible? Sure it is. But what's it going to cost on a per acre basis? That would be my concern. So honestly, I mean, if I just had to guess, I'd say we're probably 50 years out. And yes, I didn't say five. I said 50, probably 50 years out from that being reality and on some big scale, because I just think the cost is going to be so prohibitive compared to some of these other methods we can use, because you've got to have great weed control every day if you want top yields. All right, let's uh, jump to the phone lines. We got Jeff calling in from Indiana. Jeff, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Great. I hear you get a question about Liberty. Yes, um, we've got ours on hand. Good. Mostly. That's uh, the that's the first most wait, important thing, Jeff. Wait. You did a great job. Yeah, but he just said mostly, Darren. I don't know if you heard that right at the end. He goes mostly. <laughs> so anyway, uh oh, what's he's what, already hedging his bets. <laughs> what's your question there, well, Jeff? The, the other shoe hits the floor. Um, we run a lot of double crops this year, yep. and so we've used extended max in the past. We run barley, so we're out of there by about June the fifteenth as far as harvest. So okay. Do you think that these states, with everything else going on, would be willing to kind of back up, for instance, in Indiana, I think it's like June the 20th, the extended max date to help spread out this liberty because we're putting so much pressure on the on the market? And is and I guess the first question is, is liberty really that short? Yes. Liberty is really short. The generics, well, I'll just put it this way. So the big retailers that we've talked to have been cut, not just thousands, but literally millions of acres worth of supply of glufosinate, whether it's generic or name brand. So we're going to be millions of acres short of Liberty. And what we've heard is by August, there should be plenty. I'm going, well, August, that isn't going to do a lot of us much good unless you're doing some double crop thing really, really late. So, yes, the supply thing is a major issue. That's the number one thing we have a supply problem with in the United States today that I know of in terms of AgChem. And in, as far as this backing the date up, most of the states have not been willing to do that. But you never know if, if let's say, in a particular state you're successful with that, great. But here's the problem. The federal label now has June 30th as the cutoff for soybeans. It's July 31 for cotton, if I remember right, but June 30th for soybeans. So it wouldn't just be a state choice. Now it would literally be a federal choice. And I don't think that's going to happen, that it's going to get pushed back. Okay. It just seems like we're going to cost ourselves, when we can't really cost ourselves production, we, we potentially cost ourselves, as an industry, a lot of bushels here, maybe. I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I, I, I would say this, though. We do have a lot of great pre-emerge herbicides, and there are a few post-products that can be used instead. But I'm with you. It would be nice if we if we did have that as an option. Well, hey, uh, Jeff, thanks a lot for calling in today uh, and run right out and get the rest of your Liberty or generic if you can find it. Probably be a good idea. Uh, thanks a lot and uh, good luck this spring. Thank you. You bet. Bye. All right. We're going to be talking about planting and crop progress right after this on Ag PhD Radio. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. 
Always read and follow label directions for use. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weave Control System. Just better. With no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weave control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, being able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We are getting a planting and crop progress update. We would love to hear how things are going in your area and on your farm. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You know, when we get the planters out there running, there get to be a lot of questions. There's a lot of cool new technology on planters today, too. So we thought it'd be fun to start the show off with David Brennan with Case IH. David, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet. Glad to be on. And everybody's always excited about new features on the planter. And man, you can really control things so much better than even 10 years ago. It's been exciting. What are some of the things you're seeing out there this spring? Yeah, uh, you bet. Uh, there's a lot of technology on board of these planters. And, and the, the information that the growers feedback is really mind-blowing to a certain extent. And, you know, every week when this crop progress report comes out, you're just surprised every time that we can cover the acreage that we do and the amount of time that we do um but you know we need to make sure that that the producers and growers are paying attention to really that information that's that's at their fingertips as i said so that as we make changes for adverse conditions or seed variety types or or, or whatever it may be that uh, we're, we're using that information to really to verify that that we're doing a the, the job properly. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Almost all the top growers that we have on our show that are yield champs and, and just doing really well in terms of yield, they'll say this planter is the most important piece of equipment on their farm and getting it set right is a constant process as soil conditions change and you get field to field variability and even variability within a field. You know, as you're getting out there, and a lot of a lot of growers are just rolling right now with the planter. Sometimes they look at the end and say, "I got to hurry, I got to hurry." But I bet you're going to say, "Hey, don't hurry too fast. Make sure you're getting out to check things." Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know we've we've seen that on our own farm in Northwest Iowa due to the dry conditions. And I'm sure there's other growers in that same position where we've had to make some changes 
what I'll call on the fly, some some game time decisions, if you will, and, you know, you know, primarily around planting depth, trying to charge after some of that moisture, and and just making sure that that was done properly. And with some of the automation, you know, automated features of the early riser planter, such as you know, downforce, um, where it's going to maintain that ground contact for us uh, to ensure that we're placing that seed at the correct depth. You know, it takes a lot of those. Uh, extra decisions out of the the operator's hands and it, it definitely helpful for sure yeah there our dad would talk about this a lot and he liked to get out there and get going and get stuff done but he'd say man you only have one chance to do this right and if you come back in a replant situation it's pretty hard to believe you aren't going to be giving up some yield when you aren't planting that ideal window anymore. So is there anything that you're noticing this year with conditions being a little dry in some areas compared to normal that, that you'd say we're running into more problems with this or getting more questions on that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would say that the dryness has probably been the number one uh, concern and, and, and it has led, led to some variability really across the field like you mentioned, uh, with, you know, higher clay content, uh, not necessarily compaction areas, but just uh, tougher soils to get engaged and get that disc opener engaged into the ground and then really achieving that depth that this year with the moisture levels that we're seeming to have in a lot of areas is, is pretty darn critical, right? So, um, you know, outside of that, you know, there hasn't been any major issues that I've heard of too much necessarily with seed variability, so really in terms of large soybeans, you know, large seed sizes, uh, irregular seed treatments, the planter's done a good job of handling uh, what we've seen to date so far. Um, you know, that, uh, that early riser planter does an excellent job of providing that feedback to the grower and the cab for really all those seed metrics at a, at a row-by-row level. So if we make those changes, that's something we want to make sure that we're watching that goes above and beyond just the bar graphs that we're used to in years past with just looking at population. Now we're looking really, really in-depth at what that meter's doing and how it's performing. And, and it's really critical when we're, when we're getting maybe mixed bags of seed or whatever it may be, uh, different shapes, sizes, seed treatments with that seed. And we can make those adjustments then uh, on the fly, whether that's vacuum, uh, whether that's some of my singulator settings, some of those base settings that early riser planter really dial that in and make sure we're hitting those target populations that we're looking for. Yeah, those things are super, super important. We're talking with David Brennan here with Case IH. And David, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. I know you're really busy right now, but, but always good you to bet. hear how things are going. You bet. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Let's head down to Missouri. We've got Gabe on with us right now. Gabe, how are things going in Missouri? Hey, doing great, doing great. So going so far, so good. What What is the crop looking like early on this season? <clears throat> well, to be honest with you, it couldn't have been much of a better April. And now we've turned off wet the last a week to 10 days. And uh, we've got most of the corn, well, all the corn's planted and the rice is planted and planted a few beans. And the wheat's now hidden. Now, when you talk about the beans, what maturity are you going to put in when you get back out in the field? Uh, four fives to four eights or so, somewhere along in there, four okay. sixes. And that's is that still pretty full season for your area, or are you cutting back already? Uh, there's a lot of people that in the last five years have went down to a three five 
3-8, which is awfully short, and they'll plant them early. To, uh, uh, the, the really the maturities on the beans has really been cut back. Front four of seven used to be a normal maturity here, but now a lot of people are doing three fives to four twos somewhere along in there. Yeah, it's interesting. I know we were talking to some guys even further south from you that had planted a late group two last year just to try it out, just to see what would happen. You know, all those things. And we, and I think the guy had a question too. You know, what do you think about this? And tell me about late group twos. I'm like, man, don't plant too many acres of those. You got a huge advantage where you can plant the mid fours. And, and I get it. You can change planting date up and you can, you can make a lot of different changes and get good yield out of quite a quite a range of maturities but you just you have quite a cushion there when you can plant those mid fours i love those beans yeah you know six seven years ago there's a farmer here right beside me whose dad doesn't farm anymore they would have hardly ever thought of planting anything that early you know that maturity bean right but now that farmer is probably 70 percent of a three five to a three nine bean it's it's crazy how the early maturing beans have become so popular. Yeah, they've made some big improvements in the genetics too. I know there's some really nice late group three soybeans that that have got some powerful yield to them. Uh, okay, talk to me about the corn that's in the ground. What's your biggest corn right now? I was out in it this morning, and it's working on bringing out leaf number six. Um, wow. And then everything else is probably three to four to five leaf. And I still have some that's just coming up. You know, we had about a oh two three week window of a plant date there, and uh, so I'm, most of the corn's three leaf. Sure, sure. Well, it's going to be fun to see when you get back out there with the uh, with the soybean planting and get those guys going too. I know the weather's going to turn here and get hopefully better. Hopefully, uh, it'll be like you said, you had an ideal April. Hopefully, May turns out to be a good one for you too. Gabe, it's great talking to you. Thank you so much, and good luck. Stay safe. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Brian, we had a question come in from GS. He said, uh, if we put tile in the ground, do we need a filter around the tile? Well, I think where he's going with this is in fine sand or silt, then you can have more dirt, I mean the, the sand or silt, get into that tile line. So then what we suggest is either narrow slotted tile or putting a sock around the tile. So we've done that on a small percentage of the stuff that we have on our farm. The more slope you have, the less risk you have of that tile line filling in anytime soon in terms of uh, dirt. So you want to keep that tile line headed downhill all the time. And the more slope, the better. So this is also why we want the main lines to have as much slope as possible, because at least you want to keep the main lines open. Worst case scenario, if you have to replace a lateral here or there, it's not the end of the world. If you have to replace a main line, that costs a lot of money. Yeah, it sure can. Thanks for the for the question. We really appreciate that. We're going to get right back to more of the planting and crop progress updates, and we'd love to hear from you as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on 
to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to competitive herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Weedmaster, Patriot, and Diablo for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're getting a planting and crop progress update. If you'd like to talk about how things are going on your farm or in your area, we'd love to hear from you at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Iowa. We'll get Chris with us right now. Chris, how are you coming along with planting? Oh, pretty good. Uh, uh, mostly done. We had some really good weather. It's actually been kind of dry. We got a little bit of rain today. Would have liked to see a little more, but... It's not too bad. So we got a, a short day left for ourselves, and then we got some custom work and stuff to pick up. All right. Talk to me about, about uh, what you put in first this year. Did you put in corn first? Did you put in beans first? Were you planting them both at the same time? What was the strategy? Um, kind of both at the same time. Uh, we got going um, a week ago last Sunday, and so we've been about eight days ago. And uh, we started in and got a – both corn planters and one of the bean drills going and then we kind of just uh hit it hard all week and the weather forecast looked good so we thought we might as well just uh plant all we could 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, talk to me about the custom planning too. Are you are you getting any unique requests or is it mainly just, hey, can you get my crop in for me? Or is it, I need all these things in the furrow or I need two by two or any kind of uh, different combination of what you're normally doing? Um, no, mostly just, uh, hey, can you do this for me? Like, uh, like I said, we we kind of hammered it really hard this week. We put in a lot of long hours and a couple of people were just like, Hey, uh, I see you guys are really getting done. Can you come and help me get some of mine done too? Kind of stuff mostly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. It's always good to be hustling out there in the field and people do definitely take note of that. No doubt about it. So going in this year, you mentioned you were a little bit dry. Now you've caught a little bit of rain. Did you have any trouble with powdery dry soil or were you able to find moisture without going too terrible deep? Oh no! Like we weren't we weren't so dry that uh, we were trying to plant deeper or anything. But I mean, we're kind of we were kind of like pushing that edge uh, a little bit. But like I mean, if we were planting you know inch and a half deep, we were still hitting some decent moisture for the most part. Um, and it's been so windy all week. Like getting uh, pre sprays and stuff like that down has been a real challenge this year. So. Yeah, it sure has. No doubt about it. There have not been very many days that the wind hasn't been blowing pretty hard. Okay, and that brings up something, too. You mentioned you got the beans pretty much in the ground here. What trait package did you run with? Did you run with the same one all the way across, or are you trying a couple different ones? Um, mostly uh, Enlist E3s. Um, we grow uh, seed beans for Stein, so okay. we don't. We get a little bit of say in what we grow, but to a certain extent it's kind of like this is what we need, so this is what we need your plant and we get to adjust more on like the maturity side than the trait package side. Sure. What, what have you thought of in list one and the herbicide solution for that trait? Uh, so right now we just, uh, tank mix our own, uh, uh, just, just run whatever kind of glyphosate we want to use and our tank mix it with enlist. Um, just because, uh, it, it's convenient to use the, the premix, but it also costs a little bit more. So it's yep, just, yep it's worth the extra headache to just kind of mix it ourselves. Gotcha. Gotcha. Has the 2,4-D portion of that been pretty good for you? Have you been real concerned about the drift or, or just haven't seen any issues? Uh, no, uh, we haven't uh, had any problems with it. And I mean, like historically, every once in a while, we'll have to spray some corn with 2,4-D. And I mean, I remember when I was a lot younger, they, they used to spray 2,4-D with planes. So it must not be as much of a drift issue in general. Cause I, I don't remember a lot of people having headaches with it back then, but I mean, I wasn't nearly as involved either. Yep. Yep. Well, we've had good luck too with the, with the new version. It's been, been definitely an improvement and, and the weed control has been pretty good for us too. We're talking with Chris. He's growing some seed beans down in Iowa, just about wrapping up with planting. Chris, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Let's head over to Montana. We've got Scott with us right now. Scott, how's it going? Hey, pretty good, Darren. We're uh, seeding away out here and enjoying a nice day of getting some work done at least. Excellent. Excellent. What's the moisture situation like for you? Well, it's dry. We've had uh, eight-tenths of precipitation since the first of the year and a grand total of probably two inches since last September. Wow. Wow. So yeah. it's, we're not... We're not sitting the greatest, but surprisingly, we're finding some moisture to plant into. It's not much, but uh, uh, probably the chemfallow actually looks pretty good. We planted some spring wheat nine days ago, and it's coming up. Um, so there is some moisture in that chemfallow, but everything else is, is pretty dusty. 
Yeah, now there have been some fires not too far from us. How about out in your area of Montana? Has that been a problem yet? I'm sure everybody's on high alert. There's There's been fires out here, yes. There's been several fairly close to us. And so we're we're on alert for that. We should probably get a little more prepared. But, uh, yeah, that's a concern. Yeah, I know we were talking to a farmer up in North Dakota here, I think a couple of weeks ago, and he said their local fire department was telling all the farmers, keep your tanks full. <laughs> you never know. We might, <laughs> might need some extra help. And, and they got a lot of miles to travel, yep. just like you do over in Montana sometimes between towns. So definitely something to watch out yes. for. Okay, talk to us about new stuff this year. Is there anything new that you're trying, anything different, seed treatment, herbicide, uh, new varieties, anything? Well, um, you know, we plant peas and lentils and wheat and corn. Um, we, we did some winter canola last year, and put it in last fall, and it actually came up uh, after that rain we got, and it survived the winter, or it appeared to, and then unfortunately it uh, croaked here about the first of April, so it, it winter killed out on us. So that was our, our new thing that, that didn't work so well. How about the pulse scraps? How's the how are the peas and lentils going for you on your farm? Has it been just a rotation, or is it a pretty good money maker? Uh, it started as a rotation, and now it's a pretty good money making crop. Um, the lentils are, are, you know, obviously, especially now they've really come up in price. That's been a really good one for us. Seems like we're in a a real good area to grow lentils. We get nice color, and we usually have good harvesting conditions. And um, they've they've been a real uh, both peas and lentils, but the lentils definitely have been probably our money crop on, on the pulses. Outstanding. Okay, and then you mentioned corn. How early in maturity do you have to raise in Montana for it to make it? Well, we generally go uh, 78 days to 82 days, and um, it just about always matures. Um, we've done 72 days, and that's that's good, but, you know, the yield potential isn't quite as good there it seems like the 78 to 82 days has worked pretty well for us you know we've done it a number of years now probably 10 or 12 years and and right in there seems to to work well it matures for us i like to bring that up because the guys in the south are like what 78 day corn and I, i just always tell people to the south hey you know what yeah it's wonderful if you can plant 110 115 day corn but there's some pretty decent yield even down at 80 day now there's been some big leaps and bounds forward with genetics and uh, they, they've made a number of changes now. We've got good trait availability and that kind of thing if you need traits and those types of things. Uh, another thing that we're hearing is gosses tolerance. And I don't know if you run into that. Do you run into gosses wilt at all in Montana? I know you do down, or no, the guys do down uh, a little bit south of you, but I'm not sure up where you're at. I guess I, I haven't heard of that, so I'm that's not good. familiar with That's it. good. I was hoping that's what you'd say, Scott. Well, we've got some over in North Dakota, and so it, it never surprises me for, for guys to say, ah, I can't believe it, but we got some kind of disease over here that we haven't seen. But, well, not wishing that on you. Sorry, knock on wood here, Scott. But good. Uh, good, nope. good talking to you. Hopefully you guys catch some rain. I know we need some rain up here too, and if we get some, we'd love to share it with you. Oh, that'd be great. Um, you guys do a great job on your show, and thanks again. You bet. Thanks, Scott. Brian, I got a comment in. This is from Wake, and he said we were talking about soybean row spacing and population on the show. He said, for us, in our no-till situation, we've really liked the 7.5-inch spacing. We've had a lot better return on investment narrowing things up. And, you know, here's one of the things with no-till – 
Brandon and I have, have both had a chance to uh, to do some traveling around, and I, I know my first trip down to Brazil, I noticed a lot of erosion. They just had so much rain that guys were switching to reduced till to try to uh, just stop that erosion issue and then you get into other areas of the country where it's super dry and a lot of guys are going to no-till to conserve all the moisture you can by going to those narrow rows certainly allows that crop to canopy faster yeah it does but in narrow road soybeans we've had a lot of issues with sclerotinia white mold so we widened the rows out and we actually got more yield so it just depends on what your situation is but yes you can absolutely do a better job with weed control because you shade the ground faster and you trap more moisture so it can be very beneficial in a dry climate getting a planting and crop progress update. We'll continue with that right after this. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5-8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox.
back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, getting a planting and crop progress update. And if you'd like to talk about how things are going in your area or on your farm, or if you have an agronomic question, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Virginia. We've got Cameron on with us. Cameron, thanks for joining us. How are y'all doing today? You know, we're doing pretty good. We're just about done planting. I really could... I'm hoping that it rains really soon. Brian's like, nope, let's not stop the planters. Let's get all done. Then it can rain. Well, we're literally going to be done tomorrow. So after that, I'm good. (laughs) We're just so dry, Cameron. We could just use the rain. We had a fairly wet uh, late winter and started off the season pretty wet and it dried off and got most of the corn in the ground and been working on the beans and we could use a shower, but it's still pretty much a good subsoil moisture it's a little bit dry on top we had a lot of wind last week and um dried things out a lot on top but i think if we can get a shower or two we should be in good shape yeah you mentioned that wind it's i know it's springtime and normally we do get a lot of wind it just seems like it's been tough to find good spray days this year has it been the same for you it has yes sir it definitely has my daddy just about got all the burn down done but um, we, like you said, had to pick and choose and spray early in the morning or late in the afternoon when the wind dies down and back off in the middle of the day. But it's been challenging as far as getting stuff done like that. But overall, we've had pretty good weather for getting the seed in the ground, so we haven't had too much issues. Now, you mentioned you had the corn in. Have you got some corn that's up, and how, how big is your biggest stuff? Probably about four leaves, about um, three or four inches, something like that. It's uh, We started about the first full week of april and um had a little bit of cold spell but it's come on out of that and looks pretty good and most of us up out the ground i got uh one more pioneer test plot to plan and once i get that in the ground we'll be done with the corn and be full swing on the beans we got started on them of course none of them are up yet because we just started on them last week but the i think the corn's off to a pretty good start Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I've been watching your weather out there and it really hasn't been that much different than for us. We've had a few days that have been pretty nice, but it's it's been a little cool overall. Uh, the beans, I find it interesting. A lot of growers in our area are putting in beans first or putting in beans at the same time as corn. Did you put some beans in early and you just got a few more to finish up or do you normally save them till after the corn? No, usually we um, start beans around the 1st of May. Uh, we did plant some about 10 days ago, but we found that with these late cold snaps we have, it seems to bump the beans back a good bit and keep them from coming out the ground. And um, there are a lot of guys in this area that are planting earlier and earlier every year. We I've heard of some people last year starting in March, but that's pushing it a little bit too much. But um, I think the trend is going towards planting earlier than what we normally accustomed to. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We're always trying different things. How about population this year? Did you try any different things with population? And in these test plots that you're doing, do you vary population up, or do they have requests that they like to see higher or lower pops? Most of the um, seed reps I work with want us to plant what we're generally planting as far as the corn. Um, I have done population studies, and we're finding that around thirty to 32,000 on the corn and probably 110 to 125 or so thousand on the beans about the sweet spot for us so that's kind of what we shoot for and um i have done some population studies on beans and dropped down as low as 80,000 but i think that's a little bit 
too low and you get a little bit more weed pressure when you drop that low. So I think if we can keep it a little bit above 100,000 to about 125, we're in good shape. Yeah, I've had the same observation on the weed control. When you get those low populations, just enough sunlight that gets through, we see more late weed escapes. That is definitely the risk. We're talking with Cameron out in Virginia. Cameron, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck here as you finish those beans up. Hopefully, hopefully you catch that rain and keep everything rolling. Well, I appreciate the good luck, y'all, and hope you have a good season out there in South Dakota. You bet. Thanks. All right, Brian, get a number of questions. This one is an interesting one, though. We had this from John in Minnesota, and we were talking about how dry it's been in some areas. And he said, had a neighbor that had just sprayed Authority First two days ago, or, or I'm sorry, on Thursday. And on Saturday, this past Saturday, they had a fire that broke out on the neighbor's place and it spread across his field. Now, his field was no-till. It was standing corn stalks, and they had not had a rain in the couple of days leading up, which is probably part of why they had the fire too, but they had no rain. So he's wondering, my authority first, I'm sure a lot of it was hung up on those corn stalks. Is it completely gone due to the fire? Some of it would have hit the dirt. Do I have any way of knowing how much I got out there and what could I do? Because I know that I'm going to have some weeds coming later on this year. Okay, it's a real tough spot because, number one, we really, quite frankly, don't know exactly what is going to be left after a fire. Can I assume some loss? Yes. Can I assume 100% loss? No. So here's the thing. With authority first, and by the way, did he say rate or not? Uh, Standard rate of authority Mm. first. So Okay, we'll just assume then in that you've got four ounces of Spartan and kind of go from there. But but here's my point. If let's say that you use authority and you think, well, I'll just go throw some valor out now because technically I can't go put more authority on or very much more on. But on the label, <laughs> I, I maybe could throw some valor out. Well, look, if you're doing another PPO, our concern is that not nearly as much of that that authority got lost is what you think. And if that's the case, then by doubling up on a PPO, I don't care what it is, Spartan, Authority, Valor, they're all PPOs, Sharpen, whatever you want to throw out there. Well, now you could end up with a lot of crop injury. So that's our big concern. Now, the good news here is with Authority First, you probably didn't use a super high rate. So I'll just tell you four ounces of Spartan, that'd be roughly... 3.2, 3.3 ounces of authority first. So let's say you were around that. Well, if you look on the label, if you've got high organic matter and medium textured soils, you could actually go up to 12 ounces, 12 ounces of Spartan. That'd be three times. So yeah, you might've used a higher rate of authority first. So, you know, then you'd have less Spartan left that you could use. But what I would probably do is If I was going to go back out, I would absolutely not use Authority First. I would use something like Authority MTZ, Authority Edge, maybe it's Valor, something like that, and be real careful not going too much rate. I wouldn't put more of the first rate out, okay? So that's the other component of that Authority First, but I might spike a little more Spartan or Valor or something like that out there. Okay, here's the other the other part of this. He planted Extend Flex soybeans. So he's got oh, the option of using Roundup, Liberty, or 
uh, approved dicamba product out there. So he's got some additional options versus if this was conventional soybeans, you'd probably be really nervous that, uh-oh, right. now, exactly. now what do I do? Right. So I'll just say this. If it was me, if it was me, let's say it was my farm, I would vote put no more pre out well, and what if, just what if go you did post. conventional tillage and put trifluralin out there? Well, if that is not out already, then sure, you could absolutely I mean, it, it do was, that. It was no-till, so they weren't intending and, on that. But, hey, we had this but, weird situation okay. where we lost all our residue, too. Okay. But, yeah, and, and to step back, we, if it was us, would have already had a yellow and metribuzin out there. So, Darren, I believe you said all he had out was authority first? Yes, oh. uh, with metribuzin. A little bit of metribuzin, Oh, he did. Too. Oh, okay, okay, I missed that. All right, so then, yes, the, the one other thing you could throw out right now would be that yellow for sure but anyway i'm coming back to if it was me i would have already had three pre's on and you've got three modes of action there and maybe ragweed's a big one for you so you figure oh hey i got three effective modes of action all right i would call it good and then i would probably come early post with something whether that's dicamba on my extend flex some flex star some group 15 something but i would be coming early post and figure my residual isn't going to be the greatest out of what i put out there early because of that fire and also my residue is basically gone so maybe i'll have a few more weeds out there because the ground ended up being more black than than it would have been otherwise so i you know, I, I don't know. These are always tough situations. It's kind of like when somebody goes and sprays a post herbicide and it rains like 30 minutes later and they go, well, it rained right after. Should I go right back out and spray again? And I say, no, you got to wait now because you just don't know how much actually got into the crop and how much or into the weeds and how much didn't. And you definitely don't want to hurt your crop. So if it's me, I'm just waiting. Then I see what happens and I react from there. We'll get to more of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for RLX Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. 
Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We've been getting a planting and crop progress update. Uh, it's been fun talking to farmers all over about that, but we've also been getting some agronomic questions that have come in. Uh, this one comes from Raymond down in Alabama, and he said, I was thinking about an idea that you guys could talk about on your show at some point. We've got some fields that are mostly flat, and we're out trying to level them off because they've got some bumps and minor depressions out there. Is that an issue that a lot of a lot of growers have? Is it something that would be of interest to do on your show? Well, it depends on what kind of bumps and depressions we're talking about. So I'll just say as a general rule, we are not in favor of leveling fields off so all the potholes are gone and all the hilltops are gone. Because the, the challenge with that is getting topsoil everywhere, number one. And number two, you're now speeding water movement off the field, which means erosion is going to increase. Now, at least in the United States, you can do whatever you want with your land. I mean, I'm not telling anybody how to farm. I'm just simply saying these are the drawbacks to it and why we would usually tell somebody, you know, instead of that, let's focus on drain tile or something below ground because that's going to help you more anyway than trying to move water off fast uh, on, on the soil surface. Now, maybe what you're talking about is what we run into sometimes where let's say it was CRP ground or it was pasture ground or whatever and we've got badger holes, fox holes, um, you know, stuff like that. So it's it's uneven. It's a little bit of a hazard if you want to walk through there or have livestock going through there. So in those cases, you want to figure out something to at least get those minor, minor things taken care of. And then it's just typically some form of tillage you're going out with. But quite frankly, even there, you could run strip till, for example. We've done that in some of those kinds of fields. And over a period of about four years, we end up hitting most everything with at least a little bit of tillage, but we're not doing it all at once. It's not major tillage, uh, but eventually it does start to kind of even the field up. So yeah, somehow, some way, if you've got the little things, you got to use some tool for uh, for leveling things out. All right, Brian, got a couple of soil tests here. It's from Corey. He said, I enjoy listening to your show. First generation farmer in Maryland. 
Typically, I'm growing produce for my retail market. We just bought a new farm. Don't really need all of that ground for produce yet, so I'm going to put soybeans in on the remainder of the land. This is my first time growing beans, but obviously I'd like to do the best I can. It's sandy soil, and I can't irrigate this yet, so water will be a limiting factor. My fertility plan is 20 pounds of N, 200 pounds of K, 25 pounds of sulfur, but I've attached my soil sample. Just wonder if there's anything else I could do to improve my chances. Field number three is the one that I'm questioning. Okay, so for field number three, uh, for our listeners, I'll just give you the quick stats. The cation exchange capacity is 3.4, not 34, 3.4. So it's basically pure sand. The pH is 6, so could you put a splash of lime out there? Yes, it's no big deal because you're already at a 6 pH, but just a tiny little bit of lime would probably help. That would also help add a little bit more calcium to the soil because your calcium is 57%. Now, magnesium is 13.9%, and for those of us who have heavy soils, we're often going to say, you know, 13.9 is adequate. But for somebody with pure sand, 13.9 in our opinion is not real adequate. So if it was us, we would probably put a little dolomitic lime out there to get a little bit more magnesium that most likely will help tighten your soil up a little bit and provide some of the magnesium that that those plants really need. Now here's the one good thing that I see on this soil test. Phosphorus levels are really high, 309 pounds. You don't need any phosphorus. What you do need is potassium, and you're going to put 200 pounds out. That's great. But the problem with that is it's pure sand. And so if let's say you get a year where you have lots of rainfall in pure sand, then you're going to need to do a mid-season application with some more potassium because soybeans need crazy amounts of available potassium relatively late in the season. Once those beans start potting, that K amount they need on a per day basis is massive. So I would suggest putting some K out mid-season. You know, you look at these leachable nutrients also like boron and sulfur in those kinds of of soils. We usually talk about adding a little bit of that as well. Oh, one other good thing that I I did see, or a couple good things on here, copper seven pounds, uh, zinc 17 pounds. So you've got pretty decent levels really of copper, of zinc, of phosphorus. And this also proves that there are some nutrients that don't move even in pure sand. So when we say immobile nutrients, I mean, you can really see it even in these sandy soils, but you can also see these nutrients that move a little bit. So yeah, I just absolutely make sure that I'm doing some kind of mid-season application with a little bit of potassium and then maybe even a little bit more sulfur and boron and probably a little bit of nitrogen at that point as well. All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. This one comes from Tim in Minnesota. He said, I have been a faithful follower of your radio show and have learned a lot. My question is, we put in 40-foot parallel tile runs last fall. This spring when the frost came out, some of them sunk a little bit as expected. So we Wait, the, now, dirt, the dirt yes. sunk a little bit over okay. the lines, settled in. Yes. So we ran the field cultivator to level things out in the field. Now I was hoping to spray some verdict and then broadcast spread my fertilizer, and then till it all in in one pass. I was planning on going shallow with a field cultivator. Just wondering, should I be concerned that my fertilizer won't be deep enough in the fall? We'll get deeper tillage done to down to the point uh, that we are 
aren't worried about it for next year. But instead, should I spread my fertilizer, work it in a little deeper, then spray my chemical, and then work it again, or maybe just drag it to try to incorporate the verdict? No. Okay, so here's what I would do. I'd just spread everything, work it one time, and call it good. It's a dry year. I wouldn't get that worried about, oh, the depth isn't quite perfect. Um, okay. And here's the other thing. I don't think he said what kind of fertilizer he was putting out there. Did he, Darren? It was okay. So let's just assume it's N, P, and K. Even if you laid nitrogen on the soil surface, am I that worried about it? As long as we get a rain soon? No, uh, you're going to be fine there. Now, if you don't get a rain, then yes, some kind of incorporation is going to be good to protect it from loss. With P and K, the reason why we want to incorporate it is if it's laying in the soil surface, the vast majority of that is not going to get uh, into the root zone this year. But even relatively light incorporation will get the majority of it into your root zone, and hopefully there will be enough moisture to break it down and allow it to be available for your crop this season. So yeah, I don't think I'd get that worried about it. I would just do get everything out there. Then I do some tillage, even if it's with a field cultivator and you're not going super deep, whatever. I don't care. It's fine. And then this fall you go do the deep tillage and then that will move that fertility, whatever's left down deeper in the ground and you're okay. All right. Thanks for the question. Get this one from Mark down in Nebraska. And Mark says, can you explain to me what gypsum does for the soil. I have a 30 acre field that is so wet I can't get in to till it until August. Second year this has happened to me in a row. I'm wanting to plant corn but it's so wet we're not able to even drive out there. Okay what gypsum does for the soil? Well it's just calcium sulfate and sometimes (laughs) there are a lot of products that get pitched as miracle products. Like look if you have any issue at all. You put gypsum out there and it solves all your problems. And you go from having no corn to having amazing corn. (laughs) And that's the pitch you get. It's just calcium and sulfate. So if your soil needs calcium and it needs sulfur, then it's a fantastic product. But is it going to fix a drainage issue? Let's talk about that twofold. Number one, if your water table is high, calcium sulfate does nothing to change your water table. The only thing that's going to change your water table is tile. So you got to spend the money on tile if that's the problem. Now, if your problem instead is, hey, I've got tight compacted soils that are really low on calcium and sulfur and that's the problem so there isn't good porosity so it's forcing water to stand because it won't go into the ground well in that case then gypsum potentially could help so what we'd really like to see is your soil tests and then also i mean you would need to figure out okay where's the water table at and do i need tile but from the way it sounds to me you probably need tile I'd like to see your soil test to tell you for sure if I think you need gypsum or not. Hey, thanks for the question, Mark. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different things going on there, and I, I agree that we should always look at, well, what's the least expensive thing, and I can try that first before I make huge investments. But, yeah, it sounds to me like tile could be in order as well. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.